0: George Galloway's Mother of All talk shows, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, and Radio Havana, Cuba. We will begin with NHK World Radio Japan. Tokyo will begin issuing partnership certificates to same-sex couples in November. North Korea criticized the strengthening of security ties between South Korea and the U.S., saying it was a prelude to World War III. In India, remarks by two ruling party officials led to violent Muslim protest, which has resulted in arrests, deaths, and the destruction of homes. The Chinese president has shown support for Putin despite warnings from Western leaders. Ukraine says it is only 10% of the weapons they need to defeat Russia, NHK Japan. Now, The Tokyo Metropolitan Government will start
1: issuing partnership certificates to same-sex couples from November. The move aims to help create a more inclusive society. The Tokyo Assembly approved the ordinance on Wednesday. (laughs) Members of an advocacy group welcomed the move in a news conference.
2: The recognition of same-sex partners is a big relief.
3: The new system will be a driving force for others to understand sexual minorities.
1: Officials will start accepting applications from October 11.
4: North Korea has sharply criticized the strengthening of security ties between Japan and the United States, citing the bilateral partnership as tantamount to a prelude to World War III. The North released a commentary Tuesday on the website of its Committee for Peaceful Reunification. It referred to the summit in May between Japanese Prime Minister Kishida Fumio and U.S. President Biden. The commentary asserts the U.S. aims to conquer the Indo-Pacific region, and Japan wants to invade the continent. It says the two goals are now fused. The commentary calls the bilateral partnership a reckless act that destroys peace. In the summit, Kishida told Biden he intends to drastically strengthen Japan's defenses, including the ability to counter missile threats. Biden expressed his strong support. The meeting took place as the North is accelerating its nuclear and missile programs. North Korea's commentary also criticized South Korea for prioritizing its trilateral relationship with Japan and the U.S. The commentary referred to South Korea's president, Yoon Son-yeol, who aims to heighten deterrence against the North. North Korea warns Seoul's relationship with Tokyo and Washington will ultimately see Japan try to emerge as a military power. It also accused Yun of planning to turn the South into a U.S. colony. Police in India have arrested over 100 people following protests over remarks about the Prophet Muhammad made by two ruling party officials. In the northern state of Uttar Pradesh, authorities raised homes of some of the accused, saying they were illegally built. The comments last month by the former leaders of the Bharatiya Janata Party triggered violent demonstrations and vandalism nationwide, leaving two people dead. The incident has prompted a strong backlash abroad. Many Muslim countries have lodged protests and demanded the Indian government apologize. Muslims make up about 14% of India's 1.4 billion people. Religious tensions between Hindus and Muslims have worsened considerably in recent years.
1: Chinese President Xi Jinping had shown support for President Vladimir Putin, despite warnings from Western leaders. Russia's presidential office said the two agreed in a call to work more closely on energy and finance. Moscow blamed what it called the West's illegitimate sanctions policy for complicating the global economic situation. Putin gave his assessment of the situation in Ukraine, while Xi said Russia's actions to protect its national interests were legitimate. China's foreign ministry quoted Xi as saying Beijing has always judged this issue independently and promotes world peace. Xi said all parties should push for an appropriate solution to the Ukrainian crisis. Ukrainian leaders say they won't be able to defeat Russian forces without the help of their partners in the West. They say they only have 10 percent of the weapons they need. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin chaired a meeting of delegates from nearly 50 nations in the Ukraine Defense Contact Group on Wednesday. He urged them to redouble their efforts. U.S. officials will provide another $1 billion worth of weapons, including howitzers, tactical vehicles and ammunition for rocket systems. Their allies agreed to send rocket launchers, artillery, and
0: other weapons. Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. They are now heard from 9.30 to 10 p.m. at 7355 and 6165 or on the web at www3.nhk.or.jp. All the times I announce are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. On to George Galloway's mother-of-all talk shows. The former member of parliament spoke with Joe Lauria, editor-in-chief of Consortium News. They discussed the shifting and unreliable reporting from Ukraine, the goal of U.S. sanctions against Russia being the removal of Putin as leader, The creation of a financial system dividing the world into two sides and the economic penalty citizens in the U.S. and Europe are experiencing. They say that the West is only about 15% of the global population, but that we think of ourselves as leaders of the world. A belief arising from centuries of dominating and colonizing Asia and the global South. George Galloway's mother of all talk shows.
5: Consortium News is the outfit, and Joe Lauria is its editor-in-chief, and he joins me. It is my contention that no longer is there a serious military or political analyst in Western countries any longer able to claim that Ukraine are winning the war. Is that what you think also? The coverage of the war has
3: declined dramatically, and it's accompanied by more and more uh, voices in the West, led maybe by Henry Kissinger, of all people, uh, and by various columnists in British and American newspapers, and the news itself that is no longer pushing as strongly the idea that Ukraine is winning the war. They haven't dropped the idea that Ukraine could still win it. Uh, That's the idea behind all of these enormous amounts of weapons, or at least the money that's been... Uh, allocated in the United States, billions, $50 billion or more to Ukraine for weapons and and other aid, Uh, the idea of still pushing Russia out, not only of what territory they've gained since the February 24 invasion, but also to vacate Crimea and all of Donbass, and that would be a a massive task and could risk a, a, a nuclear exchange, frankly, between NATO and Russia. If it got to that, it's unlikely that they will be able to do that in Crimea so I think you're right. I think uh, I shy away from reporting in our publication from events on the ground day to day because it's very difficult to believe uh, either side. When both sides say something, I uh, I think that's probably true. Like when that Black Sea ship was sunk, the Ukrainians said they sh- they sunk it. I, uh, then the Russians said it sank. I knew it sank. Then the Rus- Ukraine said they used missiles and the Russians said it was an accident. So I'm back to uh, square one, not knowing exactly what happened there. But yes, you have to look at the Western media uh, to see if they're shifting about the idea that Russia was losing and that Ukraine's winning. Uh, and they, that, there has definitely been this
5: shift in the last few weeks. That's new. The damage to our own economies by the economic warfare which we have launched uh, against Russia, that all of this has been for naught, less than naught. The ultimate goal here And Joe Biden spelled it out
3: on at least two occasions, not only in Warsaw in that speech, but in the February 24 press conference when he was asked why would new sanctions do anything when they didn't deter the invasion? He said the sanctions were never about the invasion. It was about getting the Russian people to rise up and to see what he has done. So it's about overthrowing Putin. And I think that they thought they settled on the idea of these massive sanctions, which would not have been possible without the invasion. And i firmly believe the U.S. set a trap for Russia. They wanted them to invade so they could launch this economic war. The information war, which they could take down various channels that they always wanted to take down, like RT America, for example, and to move on to um, a disinformation board to try to attack private dissident small media, such as Consortium News and others. Russia has found with China and India and other countries that are not going along with the Russian sanctions, they're creating a whole new system, a commercial system, a monetary system, a financial system uh, that has split the world and true in the United States and West have kind of cut their noses off, uh, trying to spite their face. And it's certainly boomeranged. Anybody, any consumer in Britain or the United States or Western Europe can, can feel it, uh, whether they blame Putin
5: or not. When people in your country and mine talk about the world, they're really talking about us. They're really talking about what they call the West, although there are plenty of people in the West who are suffering uh, from all of this and who never agreed to it in the first place. But even if you included the population of of the whole West, North America, the European countries and Australia, you are talking about tops, 15% of the world's population. The other 85% of the world's population, Africa, Latin America, Asia, Russia and China, Thailand and Indonesia, I mean, I could go on. 85% of the people of the world live there, not here. How can we shake ourselves of what seems to be an irremediable problem of imagining that the world is us? Well, you
3: said that uh, Western leaders think that the world is us. I think that they think it's them. In other words, the Western leaders, not even the people of the West. It's really their own interests to overcome that which you've asked, George would mean overcoming centuries of uh, historical thinking about the role of the West in the world and in world history. And that goes back to the beginnings of the first Western empires in the 1600s or even early in the 1400s. Africa, Latin America, and then Asia. And the West, ultimately led most predominantly by Britain, uh, dominated the entire world. And the world is still recovering very much from that. And one reason is it because colonialism really didn't completely end, did it? Yes, they lowered the flags in all these countries and put up a national flag, but the economic system, uh, the military relationship, intelligence, they have not stopped meddling and keeping an eye. The Francophone countries, you see French troops in the Sahel, going into Africa all the time. Uh, Britain is involved around the world with their intelligence services. The United States has bases uh, all over the globe, and they talk about imperialism in other countries. The U.S. has bases on over 180 countries. Uh, it's going to take a long time to overcome a sense of the people who are in power with these kinds of military bases, that they are the center of the world still. 30 years or more has passed them. There was an online movement from the 1950s with Tito and NASA uh, and Soharto. And these this movement has gotten new life again, by the way, after the Russian invasion and the U.S. sanctions against Russia. And the BRICS came around in the 90s. And the West has always had an arrogant attitude towards these groups. And I think that history is passing them by they being the leaders of the West, the United States primarily, don't see that China is not the China of 30 years ago, and Russia is not the Russia of the Yeltsin age. China is is soon to be the most powerful economic country in the entire world, if it isn't already. And the United States, of course, knows they're in a competition with that, but psychologically, they still think I they think they're superior. There's a kind of racial aspect to this without question and even within the white race the anglo-saxon sphere is the one that really has the power when you see the way france was treated with the australian submarine deal and whatnot they are grasping onto the last vestiges of that power that they had i mean the british empire and the follow-on american empire which run which run jointly basically with britain they will not grasp that the power they once had is slipping them by mostly because of the rise of those other countries that they once ruled, China being predominantly the one, and India, now a huge country with a huge middle class as it never had before. They want to continue to live in that space where they were the power that ran the world, and it's going to take a lot to dislodge that. And we may be seeing the very beginnings of not this change for decades now, maybe in the West, that it's slipping. If they realize that their their economic war against Russia has failed, Especially because what we're saying, because the colonial, former colonial countries are not joining with the West against Russia. They are trading with Russia. They are accepting Russian goods. They're helping Russia survive this economic war, predominantly against China doing that, but also India and Africa and Latin America. They've got to wake up and realize they must be part one player amongst many in the world and not the predominant power. When you look at the Pentagon and their global dominance documents, Uh, where they still say that there should be no Nobody in the world should challenge United States supremacy. This goes back to Brzezinski, to the Project for New American Century. This thinking exists in the Biden administration. Clearly, Biden comes out of that old era. We're going to need a whole new generation of politicians in the United States and Europe. I don't see them on the horizon, but it's got to come. They've got to realize the world has changed, and the U.S. and Europe can survive in it very well if they just cooperate with other countries and don't try to be the top dog anymore, which they, are clearly not, at least they're losing it. They have only military power left. And that's a recipe for very dangerous times if the US feels they need to exercise that power to maintain the fiction that they have that they're still running the entire world or that they deserve to anyway. How do people follow Consortium News? i well, very simply go to Consortium News, one words or Consortium c o n s o r t i u m n e w s C O N S O R T I U M N E W S.com. It was begun. 1997 by Robert Perry. We're still going. Strong 27 years later. Thank you, George, very much for having me on your show.
0: That excerpted interview was from George Galloway's show, available on YouTube. Search for George Galloway. George spent years producing his show on RT.com, but was warned that he would have his passport revoked if he continued on that network. Next, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. The United Nations Refugee Agency reported that 100 million people are currently forcibly displaced, double that of 10 years ago. The British government's plan to force illegal immigrants to Rwanda was stopped at the last minute by the European Court of Human Rights, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle.
6: Well, the number of people on the move uh, against their will is unprecedented, forced to flee their homes because of conflict, violence, and persecution. According to a new report by the United Nations Refugee Agency, at the end of last year, nearly 90 million people around the world had fled their homes. That's more than double the number 10 years ago. And by the end of this year, the number is expected to top 100 million for the first time. For more, let's bring in Chris Mautzer here. He's the senior spokesperson at the UNHCR's Berlin office. So, tell us this latest report; it paints a dire picture. Picture, how did we get to this grim milestone? We're looking at a hundred million displaced people soon.
7: Indeed, depressing figures. And, and as you have mentioned, we we have the the let's say old conflicts like like Syria and Afghanistan. Um, who counted on this. But um, Ukraine is, of course, another problem, a new problem. We, we had displaced persons in Ukraine before, but we have now about five million refugees and seven million internal displaced persons from Ukraine alone. But there are also other countries like Venezuela, like Sudan, like Myanmar, they're probably not in the headlines now, but mil- millions of refugees are displaced um, inside of these countries or from these countries.
6: Is the Ukraine conflict taking attention away from the need to help displace people in other parts of the world, Chris?
7: I'm afraid so. I mean, we're talking a lot about Ukraine and not about, um, yeah, just mention South Sudan. There are 2.4 million refugees from South Sudan. There are millions of, of internally displaced persons in, in many countries, especially in, in African countries. And we have not talked that much about Syria in recent weeks and months. On the other hand, the Ukraine situation probably shows that everybody can be a refugee um, suddenly, that, that these people I- indeed need help. And actually, it's not the, the big difference between the refugees over there and refugees here. Uh, it was in so many places around the world. And the pictures are always the same of people trying to flee, trying to save their, li- save their lives.
6: So what kind of future are we looking at, Chris, given the uh, proliferation of armed conflicts and other crises, including the climate emergency?
7: Yes, this is indeed a big problem. If you take a look at the figures, and you see that 70% of the refugees are from just five countries: Syria, Venezuela, Afghanistan, South Sudan, Myanmar, and as a sixth country now, Ukraine. Of course. So imagine we could solve only one or two of these conflicts, we would be a big step ahead. But indeed, right now the the situation looks dire, um, also with conflicts probably kindled by by the by the climate crisis. On the other hand, in the last year, 5.7 million displaced persons could return home. So there's a glimmer of hope.
6: Chris Meltzer of the UNHCR here in Germany. The UK has canceled its first deportation flight to Rwanda, which was set to take off on Tuesday evening. The flight was cancelled after the European Court of Human Rights intervened, ruling that asylum seekers could face a real risk of irreversible harm if they were sent there. Cancellation is seen as a blow to the government of Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who insisted the deportations would go ahead. DW's Birgit Maas has more from London.
2: The government has really been put on the spot a lot um, publicly in the last days. We've had foreign secretary Liz trust saying that it's not the... It's not the policy that's immoral, but it's actually the people smugglers. It's those people who help other people across the channel in boats, and that costs lives. And she says this is necessary as a deterrent, because Britain wants to be seen as a country that uh, is is not welcoming uh, to to, 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 too many people, but they want to create, in an old term that was used years ago, a kind of hostile environment at least towards what they call illegal migrants. Now, the people that are crossing the Channel are are people that usually have ties, family ties to Britain and that they want to come to the UK. Um, But they are hoping basically to make it very, very unattractive, the UK as a country, because people who who are coming in, in this way, who are crossing via the Channel, they are now facing... The uh, the the possibility of being deported to Rwanda.
0: Those reports were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channels called DW News and DW Documentary. If you have questions or comments about the Shortwave Report or could assist me by supporting this listener funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Please help me continue producing this weekly show, which I freely distribute to radio stations and the internet, like listeners in Albion and Oakland, California, did this week. Many, many thanks. We will conclude with Radio Havana, Cuba. Following the arrest of their leader, indigenous people in Ecuador are calling for an uprising against the violations of human rights in the country. There are conflicting reports from Brazil about the missing British journalist Dom Phillips and the indigenous expert he was with. Iran suspects Israel poisoned two of their scientists. The United Nations Human Rights Chief has called on Israel to open up an investigation into the murder of Palestinian-American journalist Shireen Abu Akleh, Radio Havana, Cuba.
8: The indigenous and peasant movement of Cotopaxi, Ecuador, has issued a call to all its communes, communities, and grassroots organizations to what it called the great indigenous and popular uprising in defense of our agenda of struggle and for the release of our maximum representative of the indigenous peoples and nationalities, in reference to the detained Leonidas Isa. It also denounced before the public opinion of the MICC grassroots organizations its rejection of what it called the arbitrary, illegal, and violent detention of the early hours of the morning of the president of Conae, Isa, of whom they say today is political spoils of persecution and criminalization by the government of Guillermo Lasso. In this sense. The organization, which is said to be the heart of the historical struggle of the highlands, reaffirms its principles of struggle and resistance, the unity with all social sectors and grassroots organizations, and invites the Ecuadorian people. As a consequence, it urges the Ecuadorian people to mobilize indefinitely and urges International Human Rights organizations to guarantee and issue their respective pronouncements against the violation of human rights and the exercise of social protest. There are conflicting reports out of Brazil about the search of the missing British journalist Don Phillips and the Brazilian indigenous expert Bruno Araujo Pereira. The pair went missing over a week ago in one of Brazil's most remote areas of the Amazon. On Monday, the family of Phillips said they were notified by the Brazilian embassy in London that two bodies tied to a tree were found during the search operation. However, the federal police in Brazil and indigenous activists aiding the search have said no bodies have been found. The search is focused on a remote area where authorities found personal items belonging to the two men on Saturday. Iran suspects Israel is responsible for poisoning two Iranian scientists who recently died within days of each other in separate cities after apparent food poisoning. The New York Times reports one of the scientists worked on an Iranian military research center. The other was a geologist who, according to some press accounts, may have worked at Iran's Natanz nuclear facility. Israel is also believed to be behind last month's drone attack on an Iranian military site that killed a young Iranian engineer who worked for Iran's Ministry of Defense. The United Nations human rights chief has called on Israeli authorities to open a criminal investigation into circumstances surrounding the killing of veteran Palestinian journalist Shirin abu Akleh but was shot dead last month while covering an Israeli army raid in the occupied West Bank and to hold perpetrators to account. Under international human rights law, Israel should investigate and ensure appropriate accountability for every case of death and serious injury inflicted by Israeli forces. The prevailing climate of impunity is fueling further violence and violations, Michelle Bachelet said during her opening address to the Geneva-based body's summer session. The now chronically high levels of killings and injuries of Palestinians, including children by Israeli forces in the occupied Palestinian territories, have continued in the first six months of 2022, the former president of Chile noted. On Sunday, the American Daily Newspaper Washington Post published an investigative article on the killing of Abu Akleh. A renowned reporter of the Qatar-based and Arabic-language Al Jazeera television news network stating that an Israeli soldier killed her on May the 11th in the occupied West Bank city of Jenin. It cited multiple interviews with eyewitnesses and examined a number of videos, including live videos streamed at the moment of the shooting, as well as audio analysis
0: those reports were from radio Havana Cuba Cuba's website has been working well at radiohc.cu though the podcasts are not updated on shortwave Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 pm at 15140, and from 5 pm to 11 at either 606060 60, or 6165. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people like you to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. You will have to look harder these days because of U.S. and EU prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show that's out barpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows. Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal. There's a link at my website along with the podcast link and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 26th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. The shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.